0: Hi everyone, I'm Suresh Lau, and this is the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's leading provider of interim management services. I first spoke about diversity in the housing sector in a podcast almost a year ago and discussed some of the issues the, the sector faced and needed to deal with. A year on, and it feels like a lot has happened in the intervening period. We've experienced a global pandemic, a complete shutdown of movements and economies, And a new working from home pattern, or as I'd like to describe, sleeping in the office routine, that some are still getting used to. We also witnessed the murder of George Floyd in the US, which led to a worldwide condemnation of racism in all forms of life. The inequality of our BAME families, friends, and colleagues was laid bare, and the BLM movement has gained what feels like a powerful momentum. For the sake of clarity, I know the term BAME does not sit well with everyone, and that somehow it implies that BAME is the same. It misses the myriad of backgrounds and finer details and the difference within people. I'm using it in this podcast as a term that most would recognise and it allows us to keep the discussion moving but by all means feel free to contact me after you've heard this and educate me on a better fitting term. So with all of this in mind we'd like to welcome back the wonderful Kate Dodsworth, Chief Executive of Gateway Housing Association in East London, who is an outspoken advocator for greater diversity and we'll try to pick up the sentiments here in the UK in supporting BAME diversity issues across the housing sector. Kate, welcome back to the Interim Leader.
1: Hello Suresh, I'm surprised you had me back but I'm absolutely delighted and I'm wondering if my black country accent is going to come out as thick as last time.
0: I hope so. I think it's it's obviously strange sitting in this scenario where we're not even in the same building uh, as we were last time. So okay. much has happened in the last year and, and I guess there's going to be a lot for us to discuss but conscious of this this subject there was very little said about BAME issues across the sector Uh, and you pulled me up on that actually that the first conversation was about diversity and we narrowed into the BAME being the real issue and hence our original conversation so we had data that showed that numbers weren't really changing a great deal what do you think has changed now to make this topic front and center for every organization to tackle
1: well, I think at, at last there's a almost sort of unanimous understanding that it is an issue to tackle. And I think in, in the past it's been really frustrating, hasn't it, that it's the the, the one intractable issue, if you like, uh, in terms of bringing greater equality to, to leadership. And, and almost that first hurdle was getting everyone to be on the same page and acknowledge what, what a massive issue it was. And I I can just about remember, Suresh, from the the last time we spoke, we talked about, I mean, it was almost prophetic, not pathetic, but prophetic. Uh, We we talked about the the need for greater representation. And about five years ago, there was that moment, wasn't there, when when people started to recognise that the manals, the fact that women weren't uh, speaking at conferences in the same numbers that men were, and very quickly it looked out of place, thank God. I mean, it came late, but it it, it looked out of place. And I remember we talked last year that that moment was coming and we needed to see much greater diversity of uh, people of colour in conferences, as writers in the trade press. So I think that has changed. I think it was always gonna come anyway. It It was almost on the verge of recognition but it's good that people now now see that it, it's been such a long time coming there as I say it's been
0: frustrating Just seem to feel like there's this time around at least there's there's such momentum behind it that it can't be ignored um you know Lewis Hamilton who's I'm a big Formula One fan we've now got the oh. Hamilton Commission who's talking about diversity in sport is he, arguably going to be one of the, the greatest drivers we've ever seen in Formula One but he's the only black one we've ever seen, uh, which just is just yeah you know, mind-boggling in that sense. And yet, you know, in football, there's, there's there seems to be a greater uh, range and, and diversity of, of individuals there. So there are still certain pockets of sports where this doesn't happen. Bringing that to a business context, you know, there are now lots more initiatives and programs, people wanting to do something to. To pick up this momentum and run with it so would you mind giving leaders a, a, a quick recap on the leadership 2025 program and talk us through how it's been going since the last time we spoke
1: yeah sure so look leadership 2025 was set up about five years ago and and the original founder gina Amo, and uh olu, olu- andrew were, were sort of initial founders with bme london uh, got support from G15 members such as LNQ and Optivo, where I, I was at the time, and um, I happily jumped on board. We set up with, with a few aims, really. The main aim, I think, was about addressing the sector problem. Quite a lot of the time, the, these programmes are almost focused on the individual as if the individual has a problem. Actually, after, it's the sector that needs educating. And the the delegates, if you like, the black leaders who were going to go on this programme were already at the top of their game and just needed some more support and recognition. So what the programme gave people and still does, we're in year four now, is Roffey Park, internationally renowned business school, a program through them, which is really high octane and harnesses the talent that Exec Ready or chief exec ready leaders already have, um, with some mentoring and then recognition through print and press. And that's been really exciting to build that profile and representation for the alumni. So we're at we're at year four now of recruitment. We've just finished our last re- recruitment campaign. Again, we've been massively oversubscribed. Uh, So when people say, oh, I just don't know where the talent is, I don't know where they're looking. As I said before, people need to get out more. The talent is absolutely there. We've been oversubscribed again with fantastic candidates. Um, We are funded at the moment. We're very grateful through the G15 and the GLA. Sadiq Khan personally has been a really good supporter of Leadership 2025. We've got some very exciting news that you don't know that I'm not allowed to share with anybody but watch this space because we've got some really really exciting stuff and a 3 year business plan which is going to be out in the public very very soon so that we've got the program we're working with the sector it's great to see other initiatives as well i think there's something for everybody at every level of their career now And we're getting the representation there in print and press. So it's more a movement, if you like, to change the culture of a sector that has allowed this gap to exist for for so long. And I'm really excited to be part of it.
0: Yeah, and it does. You're right. The the word exciting is the right word to use. uh, And it should be a positive in terms of the way we think about it. One thing that does stay in the back of my mind is with all of these new initiatives and programmes springing up, how yeah. are we ensuring we're, we're joining the dots to make sure that people don't feel they need to join one group rather than another or one program's better than another, that actually, like you say, there's something for everybody. They, they, they all feed into the same mechanism, which is to highlight and share and improve that fame disparity that there is at the moment and improve that moving forward. As you
1: say, some great initiatives and programmes out there. Just to mention too, there's the G15 Accelerate programme. There's the Future of London, which has been in the market for a a number of years now uh, and is a a great programme for for London leaders. There's so much. It almost almost doesn't matter what people go on as long as it's the the right level for them. But as long as we are getting a spotlight on this talent at whatever level in the sector, because I think it's worth reminding ourselves, you know this isn't just about helping and supporting individuals. This is long, long overdue, and the the sector is facing such chronic challenges and risks on the horizon that unless you are working with your brightest and your best right across the range of of talent, you know this as a as a recruiter, really? then we' we're, we're just going to see oversee our own demise really. And as we've said before, this is a strategic problem that needs a a strategic answer, be that carrot or stick.
0: It's funny, isn't it, that that people don't recognise that this is a business problem. You are Mm. going to make less money if you are not Mm -hmm. a diverse workforce. And that's the thing that really strikes me is if, let's for the sake of argument, if you had a regulatory wrap on the knuckles, you would create a task force very quickly to deal with that, to get your upgrade back. So why isn't this... Seen in the same context, it's it's a business issue. Let's fix it. So, and and I, I'm conscious that there's going to be a different, a fundamentally different way in the way that we work moving forward. I am just thinking about myself. I'm probably only going to to go back to the office as and when I can. Maybe only two three days a week, and and the rest of that time might be maybe more Zoom calls or or whatever it may be. Do you think this this newfound location freedom? is going to help with the access of main talent and movement across the sector?
1: I, I don't know about the access for Black and Asian talent across the sector. I, I, I'm not sure. I, th- I think it's definitely going to create uh, change. I think, for, for me, the structural divisions that I've seen about people having the freedom to work from home is more stark amongst those who are affluent and those who aren't. So if you think about, you know, People who can disappear to their second home. I know I'm generalising terribly, but people who can disappear to their second home in Cornwall and uh, still connect in with the office, have space in their house to work, have money to pay for people to care for kids or elderly people and not worry so much that's going to be a very, very different experience for people living in a tiny flat in London with childcare responsibilities and all the other pressures that come along with it. So I, I don't think we've seen the full extent of how it's going to pan out yet, but I think you know people who are, are, are scooping up the big train fare advantages now are, are probably the ones who are a bit more affluent at the moment. I, I, I'm not sure how, how it's going to, going to pan out.
0: Yeah, I think that the thought process I had behind that was let's for the sake of argument you are in a a, a geographic location like Cornwall or Devon or somewhere like that or Cumbria up in the north whatever it may be we know statistically they're going to have a lower number of BAME individuals who are who are based Mm. but now is that still an excuse to not have a diverse workforce you can access individuals who are sat in Manchester or Birmingham or, or London or wherever that's what I was thinking about that potential to still say your geography now is not the limiting factor for you accessing talent because you can individuals don't need to physically be there anymore well within reason I think it's still wise that people still meet within again um, logistical and and uh, whatever kind of political restraints that we might have but that's what I was thinking about that is do you think people we're taking away that hurdle from people by saying yeah. yeah but there aren't many black people where i live well that's by, excuse my french you can still yeah. find them somewhere else
1: no that's that's really interesting so you're looking at it completely the other direction and taking away the the demographic and geography sort of hurdles that people put in the way yeah i mean who knows we'll be back here or you'll be back here with someone with a bit more brain power on this in a couple of years <laughs> thinking about how that how the flexible office set up has, has changed things. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be more fluid, isn't
0: it? I think so, I, I, absolutely. And the, one of the things, again, uh, moving that discussion forward in terms of fluidity, something that's not fluid is, is hearing people like Legal & General go on record to demand that all FTSE 100 companies hire a non-white director by 2022. I mean, that's a distinct you know, mm. you know, imperative and, a, and, a, and a, a, a very clear message. That they're not going to be very happy with their invested companies who, who are not doing that. We're seeing financial institutions also discussing raising their numbers of, of BAME senior directors. What do you feel and what have you seen uh, organizations that are, are implementing interesting and, in, and impactful change? They're not necessarily from, from housing, but any of no. the teams or for organizations that you're, you're coming across in your, your space.
1: Uh, and I think you're, you're right. I don't think it is necessarily housing that it's happening in. I don't think it's necessarily uh, the public sector. I think the private sector is is taking the lead on this. I mean, the legal and general one is, is interesting. That's, you know, it's good that people are setting targets. But blimey, one director. I mean, I, I think what's going to happen is people will gradually leave sectors or leave areas where this representation or progression isn't happening and i think where there's some interesting stuff going on is around entrepreneurs and startups and creative businesses who are just doing it for themselves and i think this comes back to our strategic risk in housing how do we secure and keep retain the brightest and the best if people are just going to get sick and, and go off and, and start their own business and go into a, a different sector, because we, we think we're here for social justice uh, and it, it gets a bit patriarchal, doesn't it? So I don't think we we can actually claim that when we have stats like like we do. I mean, just going back to those stats, we we talked about them last year. Yeah. and leadership 2025 we were just doing the second load of research i think at that point that's right and um we found that the largest 50 housing associations this is back in 2019 only 7% uh, black and Asian board members and only 5% black and Asian executive uh, members. So, you know, that was just before Black Lives Matter came over here, the the, the death of George Floyd. And we've had an outpouring of corporate statements. So I, I think what we must see is delivery and action, not just words. And ultimately, those stats have just got to shift, haven't they? Because it, we're not we're not leading the 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 sort of country on this as the housing sector and and we're running the risk of looking a bit dry
0: and that's a really really good point which then brings me to that conversation around in in my mind one of the things the, the things that i think about in terms of impacting lasting change and i think you mentioned this in the last conversation we had as well was having that executive sponsor or having mm-hmm. the very top tier of an organization lead on this conversation it must come from those senior leaders what i'm worried about is is that some of the the statements that i've seen that businesses posted after you know what happened in the summer with, with george floyd and all the rest of it it that it became tokenistic that you saw mm-hmm. pretty much word for word the same statements being said by different organizations so at one point, is at what point am I thinking, okay, this organization is saying that to stay in line with others, or this organization is actually saying something very different. There's a real desire to rebalance the BAME difference and the representation at senior levels. So there's two points to that, if you don't mind. But let's talk about this, you being on the client side and me being on the, on the recruiting partner side. How will I know the difference when I walk into, say walk into the, Walk into an office. That's a, a Freudian.
1: You're
0: not going to do that when, when I'm on a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm on the next Zoom with someone, how am I going to know the difference when I'm sat here listening to clients talk about diversity? But I don't really care what my short this looks like, quite frankly. But will I then the difference between hearing an organisation or a team or a chief mm. exec, that really is trying to get to to the bottom of the issue, really trying to deal with some change, and is forcing me to to be part of that that conversation with them? How will I know the difference?
1: I think, I mean, it's a superficial level. You'll know the difference because you'll have done your research before you go in and you'll have checked the board makeup and the exec makeup on the website. So that's the that's the superficial thing, isn't it? Yeah. Then the, there's the the actual numbers uh, which you'll get to know in the organization. So as of all the corporate statements and the words actually led to any change. And is there a, a pipeline of, of talent coming through the business? And then I think really there's a, there's a deeper level of understanding and I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that you would get all this as a recruiter, but certainly something that I, I use to understand whether people get it or not, is that that deeper level of understanding how much easier it is for a white leader to to rise up the ladder. I mean just a really tiny example, you, you know you, you laugh that I'm outspoken uh, if I was black. Or Asian would would I would we be laughing that I'm outspoken? I probably wouldn't be a chief executive to be honest. And I think it's about that that level of recognition uh, that we we have to allow people to to be themselves. You know, unless you can be your whole self at work, you're not going to bring your A game. And I'm very grateful every day that I can be outspoken and I can you know have a bit of a laugh in the course of my work. But it's actually that level of understanding that actually for many people, that's, that's not the same. My black uh, and Asian friends and colleagues, I know, have had to work harder to get where they are, have to be a little bit more careful about what they say because of the optics. And one thing I really hope now, following um, the death of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and the statements, is that people have that level of understanding that it's not just about numbers and ticking boxes, that, that we have to go much, much deeper. So I think to go back to the, the sort of leadership 2025 stuff and the, the five-point plan, which is a really easy programme for people to follow to bring about diversity in their, in their organisations, number one, report annually on key stats, yeah. set us for our targets interview diverse pools of candidates develop the leadership pipeline and lead by example that final point is really really important and i don't think it will work in an organization in one that you go into uh, to talk about recruitment unless there's that triangulation between the chief exec and the chair and the hrd and everyone in it uh, it's it's just not going to work
0: and again leading on from that one of the the other things that sits in the back of my mind whenever i talk to clients is you're asking me for a, a diverse shortlist or you're asking me to go and find individuals that you would like to come and join your business. But when I put them in front of you, is your hiring panel diverse? Will you yeah. see the difference? Will you understand the journey yeah. of two separate candidates, but one who comes from a, a different society starting point and actually yeah. the things that they faced even just to get to the seat in front of you. That journey itself will have been harder, undoubtedly, 100%. And I know that because I've had to do that myself. So that becomes tricky because I think I'm at that stage now where you mentioned there about being in an organization that allows you to be yourself. And I'm so lucky that with, within reason, and I'm sure my MD will probably wrap me on the knuckles when he hears this, but I am allowed to be myself. You know, I'm a bit of a potty mouth and I am a bit of a, 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 bit of a joker in the office. But that's just because of who I am. And I'm absolutely not embarrassed or ashamed to be that person because what it meant is that i grew up in, a, in an environment where you were allowed to say what you thought and and let's discuss it if i didn't dis, you know if you disagreed with somebody you wanted to understand why somebody saw something from a different view and educate yourself grow open those horizons and in this scenario again if we're talking about opening horizons we're opening uh, talking about being ourselves i should be allowed to ask very difficult questions but also then walk away from organizations who I can see quite clearly, this is, this is just a bit of a game for you, or this is not something you take seriously. And I think I can be more proactive in that. And I will start to walk away from organizations, which, quite frankly, I don't now align to. People see this potentially as you do my bidding and my command. They forget that, actually, I've got to bring you talent. Maybe I don't want to send them to you anymore if you're not going to look after them. It's as simple Mm. as that. I don't know, is that me going too far? Is that me me, me being a bit controversial? I think that puts a marker down to say, if you don't deserve these people, you shouldn't have them, quite frankly. You need to be ready and have that mindset that you're going to support and help these people in the business.
1: I I think that's absolutely, I'm pleased to hear you say it because I think, you know, we've talked uh, over the years, we've talked about the role of, of recruiters and I don't by any means think it's, it's purely the role of the recruiters. I think it's the, the, the client that, that needs to have the, the, the brief. But the recruiters do have, a, do have a role to play in it. And I'm pleased to hear you say that because I think, you know, five years ago, if people were saying to you, actually, you know, you might stick a woman on the, on the list, but, but ultimately we're going to employ a man. I think, you know, you would probably walk away from that. And this is this is no different. We, we have to we have to bring this about. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the stats that we did the last time at Leadership 2025, it's it's, you know, it's improving, which is great. But it's definitely skewed by a few organisations who are doing really well and get it um, and, and you know too many too many don't let's hope the conversations let's hope all the all the recognition and acknowledgement this year actually translates into action because we will know we will know next year we will know the year after whether it's made any difference or not
0: we're going to find out in part three of this aren't we in in about nine months ten months time when we do <laughs> the next one because this is going to be a series for us where, where both of us are so passionate about this and, and need to see the change, we need to see that this is being taken seriously by people. Um, so yeah, no, that that absolutely is something that we can then do. We can follow this program together um, and see where we end up. But Kate, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure <laughs> to have you. It's it's great that you know we can talk openly about this and, and we can you can hold me to account and that I can hold others to account in terms of what we're gonna do moving forward. It's the shame is I can't now share a glass of wine with you afterwards. Um, but at some stage, hopefully, and I'm and I'm hoping all of our listeners are well and safe out there. We can get back to, to seeing people in person again.
1: We're on Zoom, Suresh. I know you've got a glass of wine under there, but I look forward to.
0: So finally, thank you to everyone who has joined us for this episode of the Interim Leader. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do like, subscribe, and follow us for more insights from our network of consultants and interim leaders. Uh, we wish you well, and look forward to seeing you on the next podcast.